Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Let's remain standing. You can return to your seats, but remain standing. I, I was certainly saddened that I was unable to be here yesterday, but was at home having church, Jillian and myself, and what a powerful move of God that I could feel from right here. Had prayer meeting in my house. I prayed in the spirit. I repented. I sought God. I got up in the, in the, in the dining room. I danced and shouted and rejoiced. Amen. What we heard yesterday, what a powerful word about revival and about the sheen. I'm telling you, great things are happening. Great things are happening. Every service, something can happen. Miracles are happening. I've had so many. Thank you for all the, the prayer that you had and, and uh, excited over $100,000 pledged to the God's House offering yesterday with a lot of people out sick. We know it's going to continue to increase and we're excited about what God is doing. Amen. Where God places His name. Aren't you glad He placed it on your heart? Wow, what a powerful word. And uh, I... I found myself that when I'm in meetings with, with Brother Woodward, and who I love so much, and his precious wife and family, and and uh, when we are teamed up together, I, I just feel like I've almost went to heaven. I'm there, and man, I'm, I'm getting a feast on his preaching and his teaching. And uh, I leave those meetings, and I'll call a friend of mine or somebody that I'm riding back with to the hotel, and I'll say, you know, that has to be the top five message I've ever heard in my life. Then I find myself week after week that I've been with him or about every meeting I've ever been, I said, you know, that I think that's the top. How many top five messages can I have in five spots? And, uh, and then I just realized he's, he's, he's top five all the time. And for him to be able to come here and minister to this body of people, yeah, I'm blessed. We are blessed. And um, thankful for his leadership, his voice. Brother Woodward, we want you to come. We honor you tonight. I, I, I give you the highest honor that I can. Just so thankful uh, for this weekend and now this week. And uh, I believe God's going to move among us. I already feel the presence of the Lord here. Hey Amen. Would you lift your hands and thank God for the man of God as he comes? Would you do that, Lord? We love you. We thank you for the man of God that you have sent to us again this year. We're so very grateful. Lord, let our hearts be open to what you're going to speak to us tonight. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Now, I already know this because I know the anchor. How many of you were real glad to see Pastor walk in the house tonight? And the same way that we feel about Pastor being here tonight, Jesus has walked into this house. And I'm so glad he's here. I love your pastor. I'll just take a second. I, I love 
Pastor Aaron. Uh, he's so kind in all of his remarks and compliments and whatever, but it's a privilege anytime I get to be with him. A great man of God, a great man of faith. Uh, Beverly and I were talking as I was driving over here tonight and pulling in the parking lot, and one of the last things she said to me, and she'll be watching right now, I'm sure, uh, I don't think that has a lot to do with me, actually. She watches the anchor quite a bit. She said, uh, she said, you make sure you tell Pastor Aaron and Sister Cindy that when I just need a touch of, of faith and encouragement and a lift in the spirit, I tune into the anchor and listen to Pastor Aaron Bounds preach. She's so grateful for you, my friend. I love the Lord, and I love his word, and I love his people, and I love his presence. And since they're all here at the same time, we're going to have a great evening together. It's revival at the anchor. So would you um, just take a second before we're seated, and, and we've worshiped God, and your worship's been so beautiful, and it's flowed like a river, and it's so powerful. Would you just um, turn that worship into a prayer for a moment? And tell Jesus, my heart is open to your word. I want you to speak to me tonight. Uh, I came here to be instructed and challenged and corrected. Whatever you've got for me from your word, Jesus, that's what I want. Jesus, I pray you touch this preacher in this pulpit. And that it wouldn't just be words to the saints, but it would be a word to me and through me to your people. Jesus, we thank you for your word. It is forever settled and established in heaven. It cannot be changed. It cannot be altered. It has all authority and power. Speak your word into this room. Speak your word into the hearts of your people. We'll forever give you the praise. Oh, my. Go ahead and be seated, and when you get there, clap your hands and let your voice... Raise up like a trumpet and worship the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, 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 yes. Hallelujah. There's a shout of victory in this room tonight among the saints of God. God is with us. God is for us. God is in us. Oh, my, 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 my. Ah. Now, one of the reasons I love being with Pastor when we get a chance to be together in some corner of God's kingdom is that he's a preacher, and I love preachers. I'm kind of like a teacher. And where I grew up in New Brunswick, Canada, when they said about a man's ministry, when they said he's a teacher, what they meant was he's a really terribly boring preacher. That's what they meant. I knew it. When I was this high, I knew it. Um, but there's just something to me when I look at the Word of God, it, it's like a, a jigsaw puzzle. It fits together and it just grows. It's like chewing gum. You know that because you have to listen. And it just goes and goes and goes and goes. And I, I, I don't know if we'll get through all of this tonight. And if we do, that's great. And if we don't, that's really great too. We'll either finish it up or abbreviate it or whatever. But this is something that the Lord gave me two years ago when uh, we were still in New Brunswick, Canada, still going through all of the uh, COVID stuff as far as restrictions. And uh, God gave this to me, and uh, it has 
come back to me so powerfully this week for this body of believers, and I'm not even sure of all of the reasons of that, uh, other than I think God is getting you ready for some really important things in the very, very, very near future. And uh, that is going to have to be covered with, coated with, undergirded with prayer. And this is a praying church. I'm going to come alongside of your pastor who has stirred up this church in the realm of prayer. And I'm going to come alongside of that passion and that clarion call of the Spirit. I'm going to come alongside of that with a little bit of instruction tonight. I hope it will be helpful to you. You may want to take a pen and write a couple of things down, maybe in the leaf of your Bible or somewhere. I want to talk to you about really something that you can remember quite easily. It's really seven words. I'm going to call it seven prayers. And they are very simple prayers. And if you pray these, it can change your life. It can change your future. Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. And it came to pass that as Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he ceased... One of his disciples said unto him, now watch this, because we often misquote this. Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So here's the scene. 2,000 years ago, Jesus' disciples come to him, and this is their request. We sometimes misquote this, and we say, they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. That's not what they asked him. They didn't say, teach us how to pray. They said, teach us to pray. See, they weren't looking for a method or a structure or a technique or a pattern. What they were looking for was motivation and hunger and thirst and passion. That's what they were looking for. Can you imagine being in the presence of Jesus as he prayed? God manifests in flesh. His humanity crying out to the deity. Somebody, one of my elders, explained the deity of Jesus this way. They said, if you go down to the river and you dip a bucket or a glass or a pail into the river and you bring it up, everything that is in that river is in that glass. But not all the rivers in the glass. That's the incarnation. Everything that was God was in Jesus, but not all of God was in that body. God is so big, he fills time, space, past, present, and future, all of the universe, all of creation. But he manifested himself in flesh so we could see him, so we could hear his words, and so he could give his life. And so they saw Jesus pray. And so in response to their question, Jesus taught this master class on prayer it's what we now call the Lord's Prayer, but that's a misnomer because this isn't the Lord's Prayer. It's really the disciples' prayer. It's how we should pray. Those are probably some of the most quoted words in the history of the world, but Jesus was not giving us a pattern to be memorized. He was not giving us a paragraph to be repeated. He was showing them this is how you're supposed to pray. This is how easy and simple prayer should be. Now, brothers and sisters, especially if you're new at the anchor, prayer is simply a conversation with God. 
That's what prayer is. God wants to hear from you. I can't tell you why. Why the creator of the entire universe would want to hear from little people like us. But he does. If it's important to you, it's important to God. If it's bothering you, he wants to hear about it. If it makes you fearful, he waits for you to tell him about it. You say, why does God need me to tell him about stuff that he already knows? Anybody ever ask that? I've asked that. I like to be a time saver, not a time waster. So if God already knows everything I'm going to say and everything I'm going to ask, then why don't I save God and me the time? But here's why. I need to be in his presence. I need to marinate in the ways of his spirit. I need to soak in the power of the Holy Ghost. By the way, that's also why we're here at Revival on a Monday night at the Anchor because we need to be in the free flow move of the presence of God because it's that the action of praying changes you. It's not your perfect words. It's not your King James verbiage that gets God's attention. It's that you want to fellowship with him and he wants to fellowship with you. Why would I pray if God already knows what I'm going to say? Why would I do that? The same reason I talk to you and the same reason you talk to your friends. Some of you came in the lobby tonight and you started sentences and your good friends who met you already knew what you were going to say before you finished the sentence. You know why? Because they've talked to you before. That's why. And you, like me, you're a creature of habit. Some of the people in this church can finish every joke you know. And they still listen to you say the same funny thing. You know why? Because they're in fellowship with you. They're your friend. They're your brother. They're your sister. And they enjoy being with you. So it doesn't matter that you tell the same jokes all the time. Some of you are looking at friends right now. See, God knows what you're going to say. He knows the words you're going to use. But it's not about your words. It's about that fellowship with him. It's about being in his presence. Now, I want to take, this is what the Lord uh, gave me, and I hope it's helpful to you. Uh, I want to take the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer, but I want to twin it with something else in Scripture. The Lord's Prayer is recorded in Matthew chapter 6. It contains seven phrases. But if you flip over to the Gospel of John, in the Gospel of John, Jesus gives us seven I am statements. And I want to put the seven I am statements of Jesus. I want to twin them with the seven phrases of the Lord's Prayer. And then I want to give you seven words. How many think you could remember seven words? I just want to give you seven words. Matthew 6 and 9, our Father which art in heaven. And I want to twin that with Jesus' statement in John 14. I am the way the truth and the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. So just one very simple word coming at you. This is the very first prayer that we encounter in the Lord's Prayer. And it is the heartfelt cry of a little child to their father. And it's one word. Somebody say, help. 
That's the first prayer that we pray. If you don't have a relationship with God, that's the first prayer that we instinctively pray to God. God, there's something messed up in my life and they tell me you can help me. That preacher preaches that you can help me. That pastor tells me you can help me. That church is filled with people who tell you me you can help me. So God, I'm just saying, would you help? Prayer begins, brothers and sisters, by knowing who to turn to. It begins by knowing that you cannot get to the Father unless you know the name of Jesus because that's who he is. He that has seen me hath seen the Father. I and my Father are one. So if you want to get to the creator of the whole universe, if you want to get to the Father of all creation, you've got to go through the name of Jesus. Now here's the thing. People go through their whole lives and they're so prideful, they're so arrogant, they're so self-sufficient, they're trying to pretend they're so strong that they never want to say help to anybody. But help is simply a confession of need expressed to a God who can meet every need. Our little kids, sometimes they memorize a prayer. God is great. God is good. Let me tell you something about God. He's good enough to care about everything that's going on in your life. But he's not just a good God. He's a great God. He's good enough to care, but he's great enough to do something about it. I've got friends who are good enough to care, but I've got a God who is great enough that when I bring him a need and I say help, he can meet that need. And so if it matters to you, it matters to God. And he's ready to help you if you'll call on him. The truth is it takes courage to say the one little word, help takes more courage to say that than it does to deny you got a problem or to hide or do all of that kind of business. Needing help is not a weakness. Needing help is the way God created us. One of the most abused Bible words for God is my helper. Look at this, Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength. He's a very present help in trouble. When does he show up? He shows up in the present. He shows up when you're in trouble. He shows up right now. So the word help can change your life if you learn to pray it. We were created to live in continual dependence on God. Psalm 121, I will lift up mine eyes under the hills. Sometimes you gotta get your eyes off your problems. You gotta get your eyes off your mess. You gotta get your eyes off the opposition. You gotta get your eyes off the devil. You gotta get your eyes off the situation. You gotta get your eyes off people. And you just need to lift your gaze a little bit because your help isn't coming from down here. My help comes down from heaven. From whence cometh my help? Look up, lift up your eyes. That's where your help comes from. But Pastor Ramey, you don't understand. See, I am the reason I'm in this situation. It's my fault. I made the mistake. I sinned. I took the wrong turn. Your past doesn't matter to God. It's your future that matters to God. And so I love this little verse. It's from a really strange book in your Bible, the book of Hosea. 
And God told Hosea to marry a prostitute, a woman of ill repute, and, and she was unfaithful. And, uh, and so he uses that as a comparison through the life of the prophet Hosea to say that Israel's been unfaithful to me, God says. And so Israel caused their own problems. But look at this, Hosea 13. O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself. Your fault, your problem, your mess, your mistake, your sin. But still, in me is thine help. I don't care how bad you've messed it up or mangled it. If you'll turn to God and ask for help, he can step in and turn your worst mess into your greatest miracle. He can turn your worst trial into your greatest testimony because no matter what you've done in me is your help. I love this verse, Hebrews 4.16. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So God cares about you. It's just a simple prayer, nothing profound here. God cares about you. He loves you. And if you will ask him, he will help you. Someone say, help. Let's move on. Same verse in Matthew 6, the second phrase. Hallowed be thy name. That's the second phrase of the Lord's Prayer. I want to put that together with these words from Jesus, an I am statement. John 10, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. To hallow something is what we were doing just a few moments ago in the worship service. We don't use the word hallow much anymore outside of church. In fact, most churches don't use the word hallow anymore. But to hallow something means to consecrate it, to sanctify it, to treat it as holy or special, to revere it, to be in awe of it, or to set it apart. When you hallow God's name, you're setting his name apart. You're setting his name above. You're making his name unique because you only give your worship to his name. And so the Bible tells us that when you hallow God's name, you do it by offering worship. Here's why. Worship is the door into God's presence. We don't have singing and music because we need some kind of buffer for all the people to come in and kind of focus. That's not why we do that. We do singing and worship. We put words on the screen so we can sing along. Here's why. Because we're setting God's name apart in worship. And as we do, worship becomes the door into his presence. You don't just need worship on a Monday night in this building. You need worship to be part of your day because worship is the door into God's presence. It is the latch to the gate. It's the passage to his presence, to the Holy Ghost. When you worship him, it's like the password on your computer. It unlocks his presence. And the easiest form of worship. The most instinctive kind of worship from any human being is one word. And that word is thanks. 
That's the easiest, quickest way into God's presence is to just start thanking him for something. You don't have to wait. You already have a backlog of things to thank God for. You don't have to wait for him to do something tomorrow. He already did something yesterday. He already did something today. So the people of God, we've got a radar for that. We're watching for what God's doing in our lives. And I got a backlog of stuff to thank him for. I don't need pastor to come up here and say, okay, think real hard. Now, what has God done for you? No, I already got a list. The list is in my memory. It's in my heart. It's in my spirit. It's in my life. It's in my history. So they just give me a chance and I'm ready to say thanks. Somebody shout thanks. Saying thanks to God. It's like the key to the gate. It's like the latch on the door. It's the invitation to his courts. It's the password to his presence. But saying thanks to God is not a list that you recite. Saying thanks to God is not some kind of obligation that you have to fulfill. Saying thanks is an attitude of your heart that is heard in your words and seen in your expression and demonstrated in your actions. Being thankful, brothers and sisters, is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. And that lifestyle of thanks appears everywhere in the Bible. So I have a question for you tonight. How often do you say thanks? How often do you feel thankful to God? I got more than that question. I've got these questions. Anybody here have an education? Would you raise your hand? A billion people don't have any education. They can't read or sign their names. 75 million children in our world will never get to attend school. Anybody here got a place to live? Would you raise your hand? Look at that. A billion people don't on our planet tonight. They exist in slums or boxes or mud huts, and many of them are children too. Anybody here got enough food? See, a billion people on our planet don't. Anybody have clean water where you live? A billion people don't. Anybody have electricity at your place today? 1.6 billion people don't. Anybody here got a stove to cook on? 2.5 billion people don't. Anybody got a toilet? 2.6 billion people don't. Anybody have enough income to survive? 6.5 billion people don't. Most of the people on this planet, they live on less than $10 a day. Anybody here got freedom to worship in Ohio, in the country of the United States of America? Five billion people don't. They live under Islam or communism. 400 Christians were killed today for their faith because they wouldn't deny the Bible or God. And here we are. And we have the freedom to worship God. And if you've got freedom, you have something to say thanks to God for. If you've got freedom to worship, there should never be a service where you come in and you're just a spectator. Every service is a chance to say thanks to God. I need to get back to those teaching notes, but I got one more question. Anybody here filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues? 
7.2 billion people don't have that experience. Only 25% of the world's Christians are spirit-filled, about 600 million people. And guess what? You get to be one of them, filled with the Holy Ghost. If any people on this planet have a right and the responsibility and the privilege of being thankful, it would be the people in a room like this. My. So... Come on, teacher, get back to those notes for a second. <laughs> Colossians chapter 3. And whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So here's the instruction of Scripture for all of us. Whatever we're doing, whatever we're talking about, Whatever we're going through, whatever we're feeling, whatever opposition we're facing, give God thanks. And immediately there's a pushback from every human spirit that says, wait a minute, you don't know what I'm going through. If you knew what I was going through, you'd know that I can't be thankful for that. It's a dreaded disease. It's a terrible problem in my family. It's a financial setback. How in the world would I be thankful for that? I got an answer for you from Scripture, the words of Paul, 1 Thessalonians 5. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. He did not say for everything give thanks. He said in the middle of everything give thanks. It might not be anything you'd ever choose or ever want. It might be a sickness that you're terrified of. But in the middle of everything you're going through, give God thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I don't like it but give God thanks in it. I don't want it, but give God thanks in it. The devil brought it, but give thanks in the middle of it. Thankfulness is the door into his presence. There's no easier kind of worship. I challenge you to try it any old time at all. No matter if it's pastor or an evangelist or the worship leader that says, let's worship God. If you'll start out by just saying, thank you, Jesus, and just thank him for anything. I don't care what it is. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank him that your sins are washed away in water by the covenant name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank him for your family. Thank him for your church. Thank him for being in his presence. Saying thanks is a powerful prayer when you pray it. I know there's some thankful people in here, but I don't want you to just kind of do a little cheering section. I want you to think of something right now that you are right Absolutely, your, your heart is filled with thanks for something. I don't care what it is. It could be a blessing from yesterday or it could be a blessing from 25 years ago. But I'd like you to lift up your hands and your voice and thank God for it. Somebody needs to thank God for the moment you were born again. Because for some of you, it hasn't been all that long ago. Your life up to that moment was a mess, but your life since then has been blessed. 
Anybody got a family that you want to thank God for? Anybody got some blessings you want to thank God for? When you say thanks, that is the doorway into his presence. Say, Pastor Raymond, I'm still kind of struggling with that because you don't know what I'm going through. Let me give you one more verse, Hebrews 13 and 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. You see, in the Old Testament, they brought animals and sacrificed them. In the Old Testament, they brought the fruit of their fields. We bring the fruit of our lips. They brought animal sacrifices. We bring the sacrifice of praise. What is the sacrifice of praise? That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. When you say it before you feel it, that's the sacrifice of praise. Oh my goodness. Got to back that truck up again. When you say it before you feel it. When you say it before you see it. When you say it before you've realized it. When you say it before you get it. When you say it before the story's over. When you say it before the miracle has come. That is the sacrifice of praise, giving thanks to his name. There are so many people that serve God and worship God based on their feelings. Your feelings are totally unreliable. Your feelings can be impacted by what you ate within an hour of going to sleep last night. Your feelings can be impacted by one conversation with a negative friend, and we've all got them. Your feelings can be impacted by what you experience at work today from your difficult boss who hasn't changed, unfortunately. Your feelings can be impacted by everything. Don't serve God by your feelings. The Bible tells us about the word of faith that is nigh thee even in your mouth. You need to let your mouth declare thanks to God before your feelings feel thankful to God. You need to let your mouth speak faith before your brain has a chance to kind of argue you out of faith. That is the sacrifice of praise. It is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. And so before you feel it, before you see it, before you know it, you need to speak it. There is something so powerful there. That's why the Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. You'd think death and life would be in the power of your mind, your brain, your logic, your reasoning, but they're not. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So you need to learn to speak faith before you feel faith. You know what, the plow, have you felt that? The plow just over the last five minutes just kind of dropped the level and dug a little deep. You know when you set your lawnmower too low and it scalps the lawn, that's what just happened. Would you lift up your hands right now? Would you lift up your voice right now? Would you give God the sacrifice of praise? The fruit of your lips giving thanks. I thank you, God, that even though I'm in the middle of a difficult situation, this situation is not my destination. This reality is not my destiny. So I'm gonna give you thanks until I see it. It's what I'm saying until I see what I need to see. Oh my. 
Sometimes thanks feels like a celebration, but sometimes thanks feels like a sacrifice. Give thanks with your mouth until your feelings catch up. Because I promise you, saying thanks to God can change your life. So somebody shout help. That's a prayer you need to learn to pray to God. Somebody shout thanks. Oh my goodness, that's a prayer you need to pray. Can we do that one more time? Just lift up thanks to God. Just for anything, any old random thing. Lift it up high, lift it up loud. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. I thank you, Jesus. Back to Matthew, Matthew 6 and 10. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. I want to put that together with this statement from Jesus. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The very presence of Jesus pierces the darkness, and it puts the devil to flight. And here's why. Our God doesn't just have light. He doesn't just know where you can get light. Our God is light. 1 John 1, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is light. Now, one of your scientists, man you might have heard of named Einstein, he proposed a theory of relativity that, now this is real layman's term, so if you're a physicist here, don't pick me apart. I'm just giving it to you in layman's terms. That, that, that if you can get an object to the speed of light, time ceases to have influence on that object. It's, it could be stated like this. It's an oversimplification, I know, for all you physicists here from Zanesville. Uh, This is a real simple oversimplification, but time ceases to pass at the speed of light, or time doesn't matter, or time has uh, less influence at the speed of light. That's an oversimplification, but it's what Einstein said. He was pretty smart. Maybe he was from Zanesville. I don't know. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. God is light. Time doesn't matter to God. God steps in and out of time. When John talked about him in the book of Revelation, he said he's the God who is and the God who was and the God who is to come. So time doesn't matter to God. So let me tell you why that matters to you. You can be worshiping God in the present here on a Monday night at the Anchor Church and God, because time doesn't matter to him, he's not impacted by time. God is light. Time doesn't matter to him. And so God, while you're worshiping him in the present, God, who lives in present, past, and future, can go back into your past. You can't go back into your past. All you've got is a rear view mirror. You don't have a reverse gear. You can't go back to yesterday and fix what you did. But while you're worshiping God in the present, God can go back into your past and he can turn your greatest mess into your greatest miracle. 
Got one more for you. While you're worshiping God in the present, you can't go into tomorrow. You can worry about it until you're sick. You can worry about it until you're frantic, but you can't do anything about it. But my God, while you're worshiping him in the present, he can go into your future and he can bring down mountains and pull up valleys and make a way where there was no way. And he can do that while you're worshiping him in the present. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now we understand why Jesus would say, I am the light of the world. And he said it. He, he said it. But see, Jesus is no longer here on this earth in physical form. So that's why he has the church. And the same Jesus who said, I am the light of the world, also said these words, Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. He said this in verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now if you go through this campus, any room, anywhere, there are all kinds of sermons there. They're hanging on the wall. Every light switch in this building on this campus preaches a sermon. And here's the sermon that that little plastic light switch that doesn't look like very much, if it is connected to the power and you flip the switch, the light is going to come on in that location. I just have this to say to you. You are the light switch in this world left here by Jesus. When you turn on prayer, the light comes on. When you turn on prayer, the light shows up. And it's all one very simple word, and I need you to shout it. Somebody shout, yes. yes. That's what you're saying when you agree with the promises of God. If you are connected to God's power in prayer and you declare his promise, that's what you're doing. You're saying, thy kingdom come, and thy will be done. Now, for all you students that are studying English at the Anchor Christian School, you already know this, but for the rest of us, those words are in the imperative sense, the imperative tense. So when you pray, thy kingdom come, in the Greek language, it sounds like this. Come, kingdom of God. Be done, will of God. It's an imperative. It's a command. It's that you're insisting on it. See, there's a lot of places in our lives that the will of God isn't being done and the kingdom of God hasn't come yet. But God has some light switches in Zanesville. And when they go on location, when they go to their job, when they go to their school, when they go to that university, when they go into that store, they're a light switch. And here's how that works. If you'll flip the switch, the light comes on. Come, kingdom of God. Be done, will of God. Yes to the promises of God. Now, that doesn't mean we speak foolish stuff. You know, you, you can say, Lexus in my driveway when I get home. Lexus in my driveway when I get home. But if there was no Lexus in your driveway before you got here, that's probably not going to happen. Unless God tells you. But here's the thing. There are all kinds of promises in the word 
of God. And when you say God's promises, oh my goodness. When you say God's promises and you declare God's promises, what you're doing is you're saying yes so that the light of God can move through you into a darkened world. Now, I, I need to go somewhere in just a second, but here, here we go. Um, the Apostle Paul, I love him because every once in a while, Paul just let people have it. I love him for that. He just told them just like it is. I love Paul. And Paul, anytime you see two books in the New Testament that have the same name, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st and 2nd Timothy, anytime 1st and 2nd Corinthians, anytime you see that, you know why that is? It's cuz people acted stupid in between the books. <laughs> true, true, true story. So they he writes one book and then people do dumb things and then he has to write another book to straighten out the mess. That's exactly what happens with every one of those. And, and so 1 Corinthians is probably the best example because Paul writes 1 Corinthians and he's trying to straighten out a bunch of church problems and he's correcting people and, and they're kind of upset with him because he's given them correction that's pretty hard to receive. And, um, but they're comforted because Paul says, but I'm going to come and I'm going to visit you and I'll, I'll, you know we'll talk, that kind of thing. And so they're, they're comforted that, you know, Paul's going to come. Paul hasn't written us off. Paul, Paul isn't cutting us out. Paul's going to come to Corinth, and he's going to be with us again. And then Paul's plans get changed through no fault of his own. I mean, this is the guy that was shipwrecked and left for dead and, and stoned in the ancient sense of the word, not the modern sense of that word. And, and, and he, all of that stuff happened to him, you know. Some of you just got that. Some of you will get it going home. So Paul, it wasn't his fault that his plans got changed. He, he couldn't show up. And now, this had never happened in Zanesville, Ohio, but there's a bunch of gossips in Corinth. And they are tearing Paul apart. Paul's fickle. Paul lied to us. Paul said he was coming, and he never came. And Paul's not planning on coming. And Paul lied. The apostle doesn't tell the truth. And he told us, yes, he was coming, when all the time he really meant no. And Paul, he's pretty smart. So he writes him a second letter. And he uses that misunderstanding where he's being criticized to teach them something powerful. Now, here it is, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. So this is the second book uh, that he writes. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. When I therefore was thus minded, did I use lightness, or the things that I purposed, do I purpose according to the flesh, that with me there should be yea, yea, and nay, nay? But as God is true, our word toward you was not yea and nay, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. You got it? That's a 400-year-old King James tongue twister. Let me explain what Paul just said. Do you think I talk out of both sides of my mouth? Do you think I would callously, casually break a promise? Don't you know I would have been there if I could have been there? If my circumstances had allowed, I would have showed up. I try to be as true to my word as God is to his word. When I say yes, I mean yes. When I say no, I mean no. And now he moves to his punchline. And when he moves to his punchline, he moves to this powerful point. Verse 20. For all the promises of God in Jesus are yes. And in him, amen, 
under the glory of God by us. Paul just said it. All the promises of God are yes in Jesus. you got to get this. Jesus is God's yes to every promise in the word of God. Now, I'm a smart guy, and you're smart people. I get it that parts of the Bible were written to people that don't live today. I get it that there are statements that were written to ancient Israel, not directly to me. I get it that there were things that were written to churches or people in the New Testament, not directly to me. But Paul just gave me a key. All of the promises of God in Jesus are yes, and in Jesus they are amen. What's that mean? That means when Psalm 107 says he sent his word and healed them, that's a promise I can stand on. That means when God says anything in his word, I can take it to the bank. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That means when Jeremiah 17 says, heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed, I can stand on that promise and I can claim that promise because all of the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He heals all your diseases. That's Psalm 103. That's my promise because all of the promises of God in him are yes and in him are amen. <laughs> Isaiah 58, thine health shall spring forth speedily. He healed them that had need of healing, Luke 9. I will put none of these diseases upon thee, for I am the Lord that healeth thee, Exodus 15. All of those scriptures, Isaiah 53, with his stripes we are healed. I don't care what you're facing or going through. Paul gave us permission. All of the promises of God in Jesus are yes and in Jesus they are amen so you need to get yourself a promise in the Bible you need to underline it or highlight it you need to put your bony finger on it and say God that is my promise I'm standing on that because your word says I can stand on it you're the light switch Sometimes you flip the switch. If the light doesn't come on the first time, keep flipping the switch. Yes to the promises of God. Yes to the will of God. Yes to the word of God. Yes to the spirit of God. I'm looking for somebody here tonight that would agree in faith with me because the word says, the promise is, it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. That includes Zanesville, Ohio. Somebody shout yes. yes. I will bring your sons from far, your daughters from the ends of the earth, even those that are called by my name. I speak to the north, give up and to the south, keep not back. See, that's my promise because it's in this book and all the promises of God in Jesus are yes. And in Jesus they are amen. Take somebody by the hand, lift that hand with yours and just begin to pray the promises of God. Just begin to pray the promises of God. Erebo lotorebe hesia sarrebo korabaha. 
I know it was spoken to a Philippian jailer. Thou shalt be saved and thy house. But there's somebody in here that you need to get a hold of that scripture and say, that's my verse. That's my promise. Thou shalt be saved and thy house. I'm on dangerous territory tonight because I don't care if we go another step. I'd like you to turn around. You just prayed beside somebody. I want you to turn around, lay your hand on somebody and pray for them in Jesus' name. You may not know their situation. You may not know their name. You might not know the names of anybody in their family, but lift up your voice right now and pray for them in the name of Jesus. Release the word on them. Release the promises of God on them. Release the Holy Ghost on them. Yes, yes, yes. With his stripes, we are healed. Yes, 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 yes. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. So rebala darabosha rebaha kietabaa. Mendolo bolo dolabasya rebaha tekesa. So rebala darabosha sabaa. If you need a healing in your body, would you lift your hands right now in the presence of God? If you need a healing in your body. If you're standing anywhere in the vicinity of somebody that has their hands up, I want you in just a moment to go lay your hand on them because the presence of God, it's here. The Bible says his power was present to heal. If there's anybody here that you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you want that more than you want anything else. If you'd like to lift your hand right now, they'll pray with you and God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. If there's anybody here that there's somebody in your family and they're not in church and you want in your heart for them to experience what you've experienced, would you raise your hand right now? Thou shalt be saved and thy house. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. There's a revival of backsliders coming. There's a revival of all kinds of people coming. There's a way. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> if you're in one of those categories, lift up your hands right now. And if you see somebody near to you that's got their hands lifted, I don't care if your hands are lifted too. Lay your hand on them. Don't pray a little quiet, sleepy, shy prayer. Pray a bold prayer. Pray a prayer that says yes to the promise of God. Yes to the kingdom of God. Yes to the word of God. I stand here as heaven's representative and I say, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in my life, in my house, in my family, in my body, in my future. Oh, 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So every place that the sole of your foot treads, that's your living room, that's your kitchen, that's your kids' bedrooms. Every place that the sole of your foot treads, I've given it to you. I know God said that to Joshua, but that's my promise because all of the promises of God in Jesus, they are yes, and in Jesus, they are amen. Can I just cut you loose from your row? Can I cut you loose from your seat? Would you begin to move around this sanctuary? Everywhere you go, lay your hand on somebody. Everywhere you go, speak faith to somebody. Everywhere you go, pray healing over somebody. Everywhere you go, pray the Holy Ghost on somebody. It's revival at the Anchor Church. Every place that the sole of your foot treads, I've given it to you. Receive your miracle tonight in the presence of God. Receive your healing right now in the moving, manifest power of the Lord Jesus Christ on the authority of the Word of God. Receive the Holy Ghost in this place, in your life, in your soul right now. Speak it out. Speak that faith. Speak that yes. Speak that promise. Speak that word. It's your word. It's your promise. Yes, 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 yes. Soto le belle de la balo do loco siete la ba. Mendo roto rebarreto la ba sierre ba. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. There's a pushback in the Spirit tonight against the enemy. There's a pushback against the threats of the devil. There's a pushback against the attacks of hell. Yes, 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 yes. Roto la bahasha. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I need some walls of Jericho walkers right now. I need some people to just start walking around this sanctuary. Just laying your hands on people, just worshiping God, just praying in the spirit. The power of God is present to heal. The power of God is present to deliver. The power of God is present to speak a word. Just walk about Zion for a little bit. When you pass a friend, if they're praying, lay your hand on them and speak the name of Jesus over them. When you pass somebody that's new here at the anchor, lay your hand on them, pray a blessing on them.
Pastor Raymond, why you got us walking around the sanctuary? I wasn't sure until just a minute ago. Because the revival God's going to send here, we're going to need prayer warriors in every corner of this room. We're going to need intercessors in every corner of this campus. That's why we're walking around right now. Every place that the sole of your foot treads, God is giving revival through you. Would you grab a hold of anybody that happens to be in your vicinity right now and like a choir of uplifted hands, would you raise every hand that's physically able to be raised? Would you raise every voice that's physically able to be raised? And would you begin to pray the word of God over this church? Revival is the promise of God. Harvest is the promise of God. Ingathering is the promise of God. Outpouring is the promise of God. Miracles are the promise of God. Signs and wonders, that's the promise of God. It's yours. Say yes to it. Keep praying until something shakes. Keep praying until something moves. Keep praying until you feel a release. Keep praying until there's a witness in your spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you right now. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. God is going to give you an inheritance. It's revival and it's us. Would you lift up your voice and pray in the Holy Ghost? Pray in the Spirit. Pray in other tongues. Release something through that prayer right now. Receive your miracle in Jesus' name. <laughs> Whew. Would you take a victory march to the altar? I'm not going to hold you tonight, but I want Pastor to come, and I want him to just speak over us, pray over us, whatever he feels. We're just going to flow in the Spirit for another few minutes. I'd like you to take a victory march straight to the altar. When you get here, don't bury your head. Throw up your hands. Throw up your face to the heavens. Lift up your voice. Lift up your praise. <laughs> this is a victory march. Serebohoshesa. Yes to the promise of God. Yes to revival. Yes to harvest. Yes to outpouring. Yes to miracles, signs, and wonders. Yes, yes, yes. Come on, that's it. Lift your voice again and shout to the Lord. Come on, that's it. A shout to the Lord.
there's victory in this church. There's victory in the body. Come on, there's victory in the anchor churches. There's victory in the saints of God. There's victory in those prayers you prayed. Come on, you cried for help. You've given him thanks. Now it's time to shout yes. Yes to his will. Yes to his way. Yes to his plan. Let your will be done. The kingdom come upon this city. The kingdom come. Thy will be done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord. How many remember a moment that you prayed a desperate prayer and you looked over your life now and you see that that desperate prayer was answered? Come on, how many remember that? Praise God. Won't you look at your hand up in the air? Won't you look at it and say, He answered my prayer. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what the door to more is? It's thanks. Lift your hands and begin to thank Him. We thank you for answering our prayer. We thank you, Lord, for doing that. Oh, God. We worship you for that. Oh, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You know what I've learned? He's a God that'll do it again. And again. He'll do it again. Look at your neighbor and say, God's going to do it again. I just believe that. When he said that called the north wind to bring the sons and daughters back. Let the south wind begin to blow and bring the sons and daughters back. Let the west wind and the east wind begin to blow and bring the sons and daughters back. How many had somebody in mind that you can't hold them any longer? You can't hold them any longer. In the name of Jesus, somebody shout amen. What a victory in this room that we feel right now. We have heard from the Lord. We've been praying. We've been seeking God. And we're so glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. I, I'm so thankful for what we have heard tonight. What we've been led into. You see small things. Like obeying the preacher. When he said... Get out of your seat and do a victory march. What seems like just a small task is a big difference. Small things like wash your eyes in the pool of Siloam. Dip in the Jordan River seven times. And the, the, that was dealing with um, Naaman. And he took off when the preacher told him to do a small task. And the servant chased him down and said, if he asked you to do something big, you'd have done it. Pay a lot of money, you'd have done it. 
some great task, but he didn't ask you to do anything big. Just dip in the Jordan River. And it was almost like she was looking at him and saying, what do you got to lose? He dipped six times and nothing happened. But when he come out of that Jordan River on the seventh time, there was no leprosy in his body. That's the power of obedience. A man, a man was crippled like that, and Jesus simply looks at him and says, Stretch forth thy hand. But if he'd have left it in his pocket, I don't want anybody to see that left hand, my hand. I don't want anybody to see my weak. Oh no. It was a simple ask. I have seen people healed in this room by simple responses to simple tasks. I had one lady healed of terminal cancer sitting right there, and all I did was say, get out of your seat and God will heal you. And when she stepped out of her seat, she felt fire burn through her body. She had six months to live, already given away her dishes, her keepsakes, gave stuff to her family. She was sitting at home dying when her neighbor, Brother Southall, asked her and said, my pastor said, whoever comes to church Sunday night is going to be healed and needs a miracle. That's a step of faith to say that statement from the pulpit. But that's what God had told me. And on Sunday night, it was a simple word. Part of the miracle was I preached 15 minutes that night. And I said, if you want to need a healing, step out of your seat. Later that week, she told me, she said, I felt fire, go, like fire burn from my body. And I simply stepped out of my seat. He told, he told the lepers, go show yourself to the priest. And on the way, because the miracle is in the motion. The miracle is in the obedience. When he said, get out of your seat and walk victory mark, I'm telling you, something triggered in the atmosphere. I'm telling you what I feel. Something triggered in the atmosphere and there was a divine release upon your prayer, a divine release upon your life. There was a divine release. Somebody shout, there's a divine release in this building tonight. Woo! I got up one time and it just here, I'm just pondering here for a moment. But there was a move of God in the middle of a church service, and and uh, I just felt I said, if you need a miracle, get out of your seat, walk to the front of this church with your hands raised. And the lady that had scoliosis for 15 years, pain every day for 15 years. She got out of her seat, she'd only attended a few services anyhow. And uh, she didn't know you're supposed to wait till after the after the preaching. Come on, we better be careful to miss the moments. Thank God for the faith of a new convert as she stepped out of her seat and by the time she got to the front, her back was perfectly straight. God had healed her. He's gonna do it again. He's gonna do it again. Come on, the promises of the Lord are yea and amen. There's got to be a response. There's got to be a response. Come on, I want you to shout right now. God's doing something powerful. God's doing something mighty. God's doing something. Here's what I feel, and I'm going to let you go home. I believe there is, in the end time, there, there has to be instantaneous responses. 
uh, uh, instantaneous response. And uh, to be instantaneous, you got to be zoomed, zoomed in. Zoomed, wrong word. Not zoned out, amen. You got to be focused. Excuse me, I've been sick a few days. That's my excuse. Everybody lean forward. You got to have leaning expectation. Not a woke up, convinced. Faith has to be at its highest level, which is expectation. Have you ever wondered why? I can't believe I'm preaching after Raymond Woodward preached. What in the world am I doing? Am I okay, Elder? Have you ever wondered why in the 400 silent years of no prophets between the Old Testament and New Testament, only one thing I can find, and you can correct me on this, but the only thing I can find that happened during that time was the miracle at Bethesda. Once a year, the angel would trouble the water. Whoever got in first got the miracle. I've asked questions because there was a man that was sick for 38 years. And, and when Jesus came by, he said, I don't have anybody to help me. Somebody always beats me to it. That's really what he said. He said, I have no man. The miracle worker, they gave all those miracles in that water for however many years in that pool was standing there looking at him. Except, is it possible? Sounds unfair. Whoever gets in the water first gets the miracle. Or is it possible that God has something for first responders? I'm telling you, in the end time revival, God wants people that don't have to be prodded, primed, convinced again. But when God says, go witness to that person, I want you to go lay hands on them and pray with them. I'm not talking about just in the building. It happens in here too, thank God. But when you're at work and say, I just feel like I'm supposed to pray for you. I feel like that's why he released us to pray for one another because the pastor can't get to everybody. A few elders can't, can't do it all. But you can have prayer meetings in your home and God's going to move and touch. You can, you can witness to your neighbor and say, can I pray for you? And God is going to answer those prayers. Everybody lean forward. It's saying instantaneous response. Bring supernatural miracles. I want you to lift your hands and say, God, I... I want to I wanna move. I, I want to be in the movement of what you're doing. Oh, God. We thank you for what you've done in this room tonight. see this in time in time need of prayer for one another the Bible says they're addicted to the ministry of the saints I, I believe saints have the power of God and you pray for one another when he said I want you to march up here in victory I'm telling you I felt a release of heaven how many felt that release in heaven it's a victory march come on I believe some of you will see a difference in the next 48 hours can't believe it was that quick. Isn't that amazing? It's a, oh, clap your hands and praise him. 
Clap your hands and praise him. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Well, I love, love you. We're looking forward to tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, God is teaching us through his word, through the man of God. Couldn't have been any better tonight. We are all blessed. I saw Brother Rick Liggett back there. So glad you're home. Amen. Stay home. Praise God. I'm just <laughs> Sunshine's here now. Amen. He's being in Florida. I'm teasing him. But I'm so glad he's here. Aren't we thankful? One more time, let's thank the man of God for the word of the Lord. So very, very thankful. Amen, amen, amen. I want you, I want you to call somebody and have them here tomorrow night. God's going to move among us. I'm telling you, we have. I, I feel it so strong in my spirit. It has taken us to another level of faith tonight. He hears us when we pray. Amen. God bless you. If you want to pray, continue to pray. And uh, may the Lord be with you tonight in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.